Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Zoe Chase. And I'm Caitlin Kenny. Today's Friday, December 30th, and that was Lady Gaga, Bruno Mars, Katy Perry, CeeLo. Zoe, help me out. Who else is in there? Rihanna, Maroon 5, Britney Spears, Nicki Minaj. You heard all them at the top. That's a mix from DJ Earworm, and if you've never heard of him, what he does is he takes the top songs every year and makes this awesome remix. He even remixes the videos. It's pretty cool. And you basically know that if you made it into his mix, it's been a good year for you. And that's what this podcast is all about today. So at Planet Money, sometimes we focus on how the economy is going to hell in a handbasket, but not today. Today, the things that are doing well. It's been a good year for dance music. It's been a good year for occupiers of city squares, for computer hackers. For technocrats in Brussels who are basically running an empire at this point. Today on the show, we're going to make three stops at places that have had a good year. First, we're going to visit a guy who has a really beautiful, shiny beard. Then we're going to go to a yoga studio and a dirty, wet, gray, horrible parking lot in Secaucus, New Jersey. (laughs) That's in a minute. First, the Planet Money Indicator from Jacob Goldstein. Today's very special, it's been a good year for Planet Money Indicator, is 1.9. The interest rate on 10-year Treasury bonds right now, it's 1.9%. This is an astonishingly low interest rate. It basically means the U.S. government can borrow money incredibly cheaply. Goldstein, I got to say, this sounds pretty familiar because all summer long you've been doing this as the indicator and you've been talking about how interest rates on Treasury bonds are super low. Uh, I I did do that all summer. I don't regret a single one of those indicators. For the record, I liked every single one. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, you know, I, I was doing them because first we had this debt ceiling debate that went on forever. Then Standard & Poor's downgraded the U.S. government's credit rating. So there was this whole narrative we kept hearing about, you know, is the U.S. going to default on its debt? And whenever you hear people posing this question, there is this very simple, very solid reality check. You go and you look at the interest rate on U.S. Treasury bonds because bond investors, these are the people who are actually lending the money to the U.S. government. And if they start to get worried about whether the U.S. is going to pay its debts, they would demand higher interest rates on Treasury bonds. And that's what we saw happen in Europe. We knew a country was in trouble when the interest rates on their bonds started going up. But in the U.S., All this year, all through the debt ceiling debate, after the S&P downgrade, interest rates on Treasury bonds, they actually did the opposite. They went down and they have stayed low all through the fall. If you go back to January of this year, the interest rate on 10-year Treasuries was over 3%. Now it's less than 2%. So it was a good year for Treasury bonds. All right. Thank you so much, Jacob. Sure. On to the podcast, Things That Are Doing Well. First stop, a little investment that all of us know had an incredibly good year. Gold is gold is gold, and it lasts forever, and and you can't really tarnish it unless you melt it. This is Savneet Singh, the CEO of Gold Bullion International, and we'll hear more from him in a second. If you listen to the Planet Money podcast, you know it's been a good year for gold, right? The price of gold went from $1,400 an ounce to a high of almost $1,900 an ounce in September. The gold game looked so good that even us here at Planet Money, we couldn't resist getting in on the action. The team bought a little bit of gold for ourselves. And let me stress here, this was a little piece of gold. Our $419 only bought us a quarter of an ounce. 
Why'd it cost so much? Because the global economy has been such a mess. And when the economy's in trouble and people are freaked out, they look for a safe place to put their money, like treasuries, as we just talked about, or the Swiss franc, which we talked about in another podcast. But gold, gold, gold investors will tell you, has held its value over centuries. It's not paper, it's treasure. And when you have something like this, a physical asset worth a lot of money, one big decision is where to put it. Zurich, London, New York, Salt Lake City, Utah, and actually now Singapore. So you can pick if you want your gold vaulted with us, or we can ship it directly to your home or business. It's been a great year for companies that store gold, like Gold Bullion International. We met Savneet Singh on the 29th floor of the World Financial Center at the tip of Manhattan. So picture a well-dressed skinny guy with a turban and the shiniest, most well-groomed beard you've ever seen. Seriously, this was an amazing beard. It was beautiful. Zoe and I couldn't stop talking about it. And when we met Savneet, he was beaming. Our entire company, all we do is buy, sell, and store gold bars. You want gold? You call these guys. Gold Bullion International is a middleman. They find the gold for you, and they store it for you. You said New York, Zurich, and then Salt Lake. Why Salt Lake? So um, we were looking for a, a place outside of New York. So New York's a little bit polarizing to the, to the broader American population. How do you mean? Particularly on the western half of the country, they, don't like, they didn't necessarily want all their assets stored on the east coast of America. What do people think is going to happen to their gold in New York that's not going to happen in Utah? Like, what are people nervous about? You know, I think it's perfect. Pre- well, you know, we did have, you know, a terrorist attack here 10 years ago. And so I think they worry about things like that. Um, Utah, we picked because it's a bit of a neutral state and it's always had a lot of respect for private property. So it's, it's one of the few states that's never really taken property from its citizens. There is a lot of suspicion this year. That's why it's been such a good year for safe havens like gold and treasury bonds. You know, there was the unrest in the Middle East, the Europe debt crisis, the S&P downgrade. People were really interested in buying physical gold this year. The last three months were way better than three months before that. And it's been like that for the last year. So every three months is better than the last three months. And all these people buying gold, they need a place to store it. So demand for places to store all that gold shot up. ETFs, which are funds that buy large amounts of gold and then sell shares of it to investors, they can't seem to find enough space to put their gold. Yeah. I read in the Financial Times recently that some major London banks are doubling the rates they charge for vaulting gold. London is historically the premier gold storing city. Barclays and Deutsche Bank are considering building new vaults there. There's so much demand. Singh cleared up a mystery for me, though, which is if a tiny amount of gold is so valuable. A gold the size of a piece of an iPhone is $60,000 now. The large bars you see on TV, those are 400 ounces of gold. It's about $700,000. So if you just had three of those bars on a shelf, you'd be a multimillionaire. And how is it possible that storage facilities have had so much demand that they're running out of shelf space? And he had an answer. As gold price increases, the amount of insurance you need in that vault increases. Um, and at some point, the insurance companies say, that's the most insurance we'll give you for this location. Uh, and so it's, it's rarely about space. It's about getting insurance to cover the assets that are in that space. Think about it this way. Basically, the insurance company says, I'll insure you for $10 million for this vault of gold. But if the gold becomes worth more than that, you're going to have to move some of it to a different space. Because if someone breaks into your vault... They could take all that gold out. It's just too much risk for the insurance company, so they want you to spread it out over different locations. 
even though these vaults are incredibly secure. He told us about one of their vaults that's out near JFK Airport in Queens, and it just blends right into the neighborhood. It looks just like an ordinary warehouse or an ordinary apartment, except for those Brinks trucks that pull out. Another thing he told us was that the people who work there, they actually get weighed as you go into different parts of the vault. So if you're about to go into one area, they'll weigh you. And then when you come back out, you get weighed again just to make sure you didn't stuff your pockets full of gold bars. It's also been a good year for Singh personally. He used to be on Wall Street and his Wall Street friends made fun of him when he left his investment banking job and went off to the crazy gold business. They're not laughing anymore. You know, this summer was the first time since I started this business that one, my friends were actually interested in what I was doing and thought I was wanted to ha- start hanging out with me. Again. You know, some of the guys that were because when you start a business, it's different than when you're working on Wall Street, right? You get to go to these nice dinners, you go to these charity dinners, you live this great life, and you're so young and it's entertaining. This summer was the first time that it was that I started reengaging with those relationships, and they were intrigued, like, "Wow, I finally figured out why you did this and why you bet on this trend." Okay, next stop, New Jersey. Here's who it hasn't been a good year for, the department store, Filene's Basement. So you don't have to tell me this. I used to (laughs) shop at Filene's Basement in Boston, and I remember I hated it because the dressing room, there were not individual rooms. You were sort of all in there together, kind of like a locker room. It was very strange and awkward, but they did have good deals. I don't know if that awkward experience is exactly why they went bankrupt, but I'm sorry. (laughs) But basically, Filene's, they couldn't keep up with other discount retailers like Marshall's, TJ Maxx, whatever. But here's the thing. After a company declares bankruptcy, there is someone who benefits. It's one particular type of company that makes a killing. You can think about this company as the undertaker of a dead business. The undertaker shows up when the company as professionals realize the game is over. There's no other options. Let's call them the liquidators. This is Steve Jacobowski. He's a bankruptcy lawyer, and he's worked with the top liquidators, firms like Gordon Brothers and Hilco. The liquidators are in charge of selling the things inside the store. CDs, books, clothing, DVDs. Look. Somebody dies and it's awful, but it would be worse if there were no undertaker, you know, the soul of discretion who handles the death of a business in a practiced, systematic fashion. And that's what liquidators do. They put the suit on and greet the guests. I went to Secaucus, New Jersey. I stood in the wet gray parking lot outside a Sims department store. They were having one of those going out of business sales. And that's where I found Letty Rod. I got some bras and I got a belt and... Seven pairs of sunglasses. Why did you need seven pairs? They're 70% off. (laughs) You've seen these. The big neon going out of business posters on the windows, shoppers running in and out the door, and stepping over $5 blazers. Did you see the wedding dresses? I know, it's crazy cheap. It's I want to get married again. (laughs) I met Aisha Gulgu, and she bought a black cocktail dress instead for 30 bucks. What do you think of the job that the liquidator is doing? What do you mean by I don't know what liquid it means? The liquidator is supposed to be invisible, but they're actually running this business. 
So Sims, the department store, sold all its inventory to Gordon Brothers. Gordon Brothers, along with another firm, Hilco, is running this sale. And the liquidators are the ones making money off it. That's why in a going-out-of-business sale, you'll also see the shelves for sale, the lighting fixtures, and the chairs. They even sell those shopping baskets for $30. Who's going to buy this? I don't know. Our bankruptcy lawyer, Steve Jacobowski, says take the case of the Borders Books liquidation. It was so major, so big, that the five largest liquidation firms in the country all went in on it together. The liquidators came in and bought the merchandise at 72% of borders cost. So like 72 cents on the dollar. But remember, when they sell it at retail, let's just assume that everybody marks it up double. Sure, borders couldn't afford to keep the stores running, but that doesn't mean the actual books aren't worth anything. People still want them. In fact, any deals that borders was already offering, the liquidators come in, erase that, and start from the top. And then they price it according to this secret book that the liquidators have with all the prices you'd ever see in a store, just millions and millions of barcodes for things like... A nine-ounce bag of lace potato chips, a basketball by Wilson for child-sized, every single variation (laughs) of an item. So everything's priced by the book, but anyone who's ever been to one of these sales can tell you they start there and then they start cutting sunglasses that were $30 become five. And as the days tick by to closing, the price is methodically slashed. And if they can't sell every single thing, they burn the rest of it. But Like in an actual fire? <laughs> an actual fire really? turns into ashes. No but, way. Yeah, but they don't actually have to burn very much. The liquidators know that there's a market for almost everything, even for the copper wiring in the building. But there's one thing the liquidators don't have. They don't have their own staff to run the store, their own accounting department to pay out the last paychecks. So they have to use the staff of the store that's closing. (laughs) Yep, that's what a newly fired accounting department sounds like. When I was in New Jersey, I stopped by the Feel Good Cafe in downtown Secaucus, where The Sims was closing, and the ladies were eating apps and drinking margaritas. For the last few weeks, they've been let go basically one at a time. Teresa Soto worked at The Sims for 23 years. I said, when is going to be my day? Maybe today, maybe tomorrow. And then, you know, last Friday was my, my day. Teresa sat in the same chair for decades. And I think I'm going to buy my chair. It's a good idea, you know. I think it's a good idea to buy. You're going to buy your chair? Yes, I'm going to buy. I'm going to go tomorrow. I'm going to buy my chair. I'm going to take it with me home. Right now is a perfect moment for a liquidator. The economy's bad enough so big companies go out of business, but it's good enough so that customers will come and buy the stuff that's for sale. It's not a good time, though, to lose your job. Zoe, I'm starting to notice a theme here. All these things we're talking about that are doing well, they're all doing well because the economy is doing so poorly. Treasuries and gold and liquidation companies, they're all doing well because people are freaked out or businesses are failing. We got to talk about something more uplifting here. This is getting depressing. Okay, we need to hear about something that's doing well just because it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. I have the guy for you. Robert Smith is going to take us to our next stop. A couple of years ago, if you wanted to drink coconut water, you had to buy your own coconut, bring it to your kitchen, find a knife you didn't mind destroying, and start whacking. Not going to happen. 
Luckily, though, 2011 means you can now find packaged coconut water in a convenience store, at Walmart, or your friendly neighborhood yoga studio. I think it was a great year for coconut water. I, I can't walk down the street without seeing someone with coconut water in their hand. Alejandro Simon is an assistant manager at the Laughing Lotus Yoga Studio in New York City. And if you want to know how coconut water pulled off the marketing miracle this year, you have to come to a place like this. Laughing Lotus does not sell sports drinks. We wouldn't dare stack like stack Gatorade um, or Powerade or any of those really like fake drinks. They only have coconut water. It's more expensive than Gatorade, sure, but it's pure, straight from the coconut into the package. And Simon says it does seem to hydrate her customers after a long yoga session. But coconut water also projects a certain vibe. If people see me carrying around this coconut water with my yoga mat, they're going to know that I like yoga and I'm really conscious and enlightened. <laughs> sure, it is easy to laugh at coconut water and call it another health food fad like pomegranate <laughs> juice or green tea and everything. I'm sorry. I'm just going to cut Robert off here for a second. Caitlin, is there something that you want to say at this point? Uh, I hate yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just enlightenment, consciousness. I'm into that, just not in the context of me having two hands on the ground and one leg in the air. Not really my thing. You don't like balance and harmony. That is fine. Just, I, I don't like yoga. Sorry. Okay. All right, Hater. I'm bringing Robert back in to tell the rest of the story. Is that okay with you? Yeah. All right. Sure. It is easy to laugh at coconut water and call it another health food fad, like pomegranate juice or green tea and everything. But beverage consultant Tom Perko says in 2011, coconut water worked. Some of the brands are up 400% in one year. It, it's a phenomenon. And Perko says it really isn't about what's inside the package. Coconut water has a fine taste. It's a little bit sweet, a little bit sour, plenty of potassium. But in the beverage business... The only thing that really counts is image. And coconut water nailed it. Among a certain demographic, soda seems like sugary poison. Even fruit juices are packed with calories, but coconuts evoke healthy people relaxing on a beach. The perfect antidote to 2011. People are feeling poorly about what is going on in, in their lives in our country. There's a great deal of anxiety. And they're looking for things that somehow give them, if not an edge in terms of how they, they perform, but something that makes them feel good. And although the business is still tiny compared to soda, it is lucrative. The industry leader, Vita Coco, will do close to $100 million in sales this year. Pretty good for a beverage that Mike Kurban started to import in 2004. Kurban hustled Vita Coco to stores in his Brooklyn neighborhood. You know, it was literally, I'm selling coconut water. Coconut what? Coconut water. You mean coconut milk? No, 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 no. Very different. So there was a lot of education. Hence the push to yoga studios. Then celebrities started drinking it. Then the big beverage companies got in. Coca-Cola invested in Zico coconut water. Pepsi has stakes in two different brands. And Kurban is okay with this. One kind of coconut water makes it a novelty beverage in the health food aisle. But with a bunch of big players... Five shelves of coconut water. Four different brands in there, all different flavors. And it really helps build a category as opposed to a brand. And pretty soon people forget that you can just make your own coconut water in the kitchen. Kurban has a suggestion for me. The best way to open up a coconut, honestly, is with a drill. Hey, that totally works. Coconut water comes right out. But until people start to bring power tools to their yoga classes, 
The packaged coconut water industry has very little to fear. As always, we want to know what you thought of today's show. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of uh, angry notes about that yoga comment. I'm sorry, yoga people. I'm just really more of a Pilates girl myself. Anyway, you can email us, planetmoney at npr.org. And you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Caitlin Kenny. I'm Zoe Chase. Thanks for listening. Take a